What is up, guys? Welcome to the Red Nation News Podcast. My name is Solomon Ali, at Solomon Ali on Twitter, and we are joined by my esteemed panel first, Umso Madani, obviously my co-host. How are you doing, man? Doing great. Great to be back once again. And we are joined by the great Jonathan Fagan, Houston Chronicle. Jonathan, how are you doing? How you been? I've been good, thanks. How are you? Been all right, you know, suffering through some back pain. But other than that, I've been good. I've been good. So, by the way, this thing happened like two weeks after my birthday. And I feel like it's a bad omen. I feel like that, <laughs> like that's just like, I, I nothing happened. Like, I didn't play basketball or anything. It just it just, stopped, it just started hurting. And I'm like, that's, that's, not, that's not good. I don't like it. You well, know, sometimes, not that this is what the subject of this podcast, but I will say one thing I learned is things you would not expect can trigger back pain like you can't believe. Uh, I'll give you a quick story since it has basketball all over it. Uh, the day, <laughs> so I'm doing, first I go for a workout. It's during the Las Vegas Summer League. I go for a workout. Then I go upstairs to write uh, a feature about the new Rockets def- uh, lead assistant or maybe just assistant coach, Elston Turner. And so I'm sitting in a chair at the Renaissance in Las Vegas for however long it takes to write that feature, kind of a long time, and my back is just wrecked. I go to the gym that night, and I talk to Keith Jones, then the Rockets trainer, and he tells me what workout I did and what sort of chair I was sitting in. He, he had me move in a few ways to see where the pain was and what triggered it. And he describes the chair I was in as if he was in the room. And uh, so, yes, things you would not imagine can mess. I could not stay. I, I was in so much pain for days and really weeks, but horrible pain for a couple days. The end of that story is, well, there's another little part of it, but the end of that story is about two or three hours later, the Rockets reached a deal to trade for Russell Westbrook. So from the very start, he was a real pain in the back to, to me. The other part of that story, which probably leads more to the subject of this podcast, is I had a source in the arena I talked to who's always been a real good source, Tells me, uh, not, you know, Sam Hicking is gonna take his time on, Sam Hicking, not Sam, Sam Presti, excuse me. I'm sitting here in Oklahoma City and I got his name wrong. The Oklahoma City general manager Sam Presti is going to take his time with this one. It's not gonna be fast. He had to do the Paul George one really fast. This time it's gonna take a long time. And I sat down at the computer. I was about to type it in, and I thought, you know what? I don't believe it. Uh, I, I'm not sending that. And I didn't send it in. About an hour or two later, it, it, it breaks. It, they, and really, the Rockets, as you know, didn't think there was going to be the deal that night. Or that they, I mean, Rafael Stone and Daryl Morey got in the Uber to go to the arena. They got one more call, and they finished that deal on the drive from the Golden Nugget to Thomas and Mack. And that, and then they pulled into the parking lot of Thomas and Mack and told the driver, turn around, we're going back. And so even then, they didn't think it was going to happen. Anyway, all you have to do is say back pain, and I had a NBA-related story to go with it.
Alright guys, so this episode was recorded on Saturday and set to release on Monday so we didn't spoil Jonathan's trade deadline article. And we spent like 20 minutes theorizing Kyrie Irving trades. At one point I even questioned if the Nets would actually move Kyrie. And obviously all that's outdated now because as we all know, Kyrie has been traded to the Mavericks. So I'm going to go ahead and skip the first 15 to 20 minutes of this podcast and get to the Rockets trade deadline talk. Now back to the show. Speaking of Houston's patience... And Thursday's trade trade deadline. There's been obviously a lot of rumors about Eric Gordon coming up this season, and he's been playing well as of as of late, having uh, three straight games of 24 points or more, which has led to two wins. So, with um, this play as of late, him improving over the last few games, what does this do to his trade value? Mm, adding it all up, considering everything. I think it totals, let me see, absolutely nothing. <laughs> General managers don't react to three good games, although it's a lot more than three good games. But no, they, they ha- they're they so slow to change their evaluations, change their opinions on players. They Every general manager in the league, Eric Gordon's obviously in his 15th year, they have an opinion about Eric Gordon. It's not changing because he played really badly in uh, December or played really well in January and the first days of February. They, they already have their opinion on it. Now, maybe if they thought, is he hurt and he looks healthy, uh, that could affect if injury situations too. But other than that, and you know, whenever I say this to a general manager, they grudgingly agree. I haven't had one deny it. Like, and it's not just 15 year veteran Eric Gordon that, uh, you know, said, let's say the Rockets were trying to trade, uh, one of the guys they took in last year's draft, Garuba or, or Christopher. I'm just making up names. General managers evaluated them in the draft fairly recently. They have roughly an opinion about them. Stock does not change anywhere near what players, uh, what, you know, media fans, anybody thinks it it changes based on a player playing well or badly. And I, I general managers don't like to agree with that, but I've never once had one argue with me. Yeah, I mean, I, I just remember seeing on Twitter, like after these games, like it's like, oh, like I'm sure all these general managers are, are really going to anti up Eric Gordon now. It's like, no, man, this guy's been in the league for like 12 years, right? Like since like two, 2008 was his draft class. Like, He's played in multiple like Western Conference series deep into the playoffs. Like this, this idea that you know a four or five game stretch is going to change their mind. Like I always thought whenever I saw that on Twitter, I was like, no, absolutely not. I'm glad we got that. We got you to confirm that though. Yeah, that's you know. I, now some would argue that they should. Like I, I, I think he's a guy who should be coveted by contenders. I think he's. He's a really good player for that type of team in that he, he defends and he defers. So if you're good enough to contend, a defend, a guy who can defend, who, who, on a pretty high level, uh, and that's one thing he was not doing well in, in December and he has ever since. Well, there's other things as well, but that's the one that I think really sticks out. But he will defend, which you need if you're going to win in the postseason and have a good playoff run, and he can defer to a star. He doesn't have to be the man. He can catch and shoot, or he can be with the ball, he can play multiple positions. To me, he should be a coveted guy. Right now, I 
there's a I, I had somebody tell me yesterday actually and just in case things change we're speaking on Saturday so it was Friday morning that I don't think he's getting traded and I thought wow really again and okay we hear this in the weekend before the trade deadline a lot oh it's going to be a slow one this is the one it's just not happening and then there's 28 trades <laughs> so I hear, I hear this a lot over the years that it doesn't look good, doesn't look like a lot of trades, and then it happens. And so that could happen again. And the person who told me that felt that way. But you know, there's and you know what the other thing is that Rafael doesn't leak much, so people around the league don't get a whole lot of good gossip out of the Rockets. So. That also could lead to someone's opinion that the Rockets might not. The one thing I do know, they view him as a guy with one with one year on his contract left after this year. They don't view him as an expiring contract. And he's not. Technically, he's not. He can be treated as an expiring contract. And if a team wants him that way, they can do that because next year is not guaranteed. But... The Rockets don't view him as, we gotta trade him now or we lose him. No, they could trade him at the draft time. They could trade him over the summer. They could trade him at next year's trade deadline. And so they're not feeling the, okay, we gotta do, take whatever we can get. That's not their mindset. Yeah, I mean, and I think you look at what the, what the trade deadline has been since like 2012. Like, we just don't see inactive trade deadlines anymore. You know, going back to what you said earlier, like, this, the market has just gotten so much more efficient, and teams are starting to see the value in making trades. Like, even teams like that never made trades before, the Spurs, even they make trades now, right? Like, it's just, it's in everyone's best interest to be at least listening to offers. And I think the, I'm gl- like, the market's changed so much, and I'm glad that, you know, we've all realized that finally. Um, so, has Houston's asking price changed much on Eric Gordon? Is it still first round pick or bust? Because uh, you saw that Bucks r- report that you know the other day about the, sec- the four second rounders, and it's like I'm wondering if something like that would be enticing <laughs> if if it's like an expiring salary. Uh, okay, well, first, the Bucks never offered four second rounders for Eric Gordon. The money doesn't even come close to matching. Mm. It's hard to even conceive of a trade, even if the two general managers weren't permitted to weigh in. If you and I tried to work the trade, it would be very difficult for us to put one that makes any sense for both teams using Bucks salaries. I mean, why would the Rockets want, let's say, Grayson Allen and George Hill hey, for Eric Gordon? This, this is Mark you know, Stein. Just, this is not Salman Ali. This is Mark Stein. I'm just... ha, I know. No, never happened. Okay. Never happened. And it's the, now, there was a conversation many months ago that involved like up to four second round picks for somebody else on the Rockets. I don't know who. And so that might be where that came from. Um, but it doesn't matter if it's Mark Stein or if it's Rafael Stone himself. The NBA has rules and the, you can't ignore the collective bargaining agreement. The, the money doesn't work unless you give the guys, the Rockets guys, they, it's not like Serge Ibaka now makes 18 million. He's down, he's like at the minimum, whatever it is for him, like 1.9. You know, so, hey, the rules are the rules. It just doesn't work for a guy making roughly $20 million 
if Eric made a whole lot less or if some of their guys made a whole lot more. Um, and what is also true, which might have been related to that, the Bucks are definitely interested in Jay Crowder. They, you know, they have been and they still are. Well, I haven't asked about Jay Crowder in a little more than a week. But uh, they were very interested in Jay Crowder. And that was true. Now, the talk, that was, remember there was a report of a three-team deal, uh, and the Rockets would have been one of them? It, it, there was not, there was one phone call. They never spoke to one of the two t- other teams in it at all. Deals like that take many, many calls, sometimes dozens of calls. There was one, and it didn't even involve all three teams. It was, you know, this is the money works for this. Yeah, yeah, we wouldn't do that. And I didn't think you'd do that. Why would you do that? And that was it. So that one never happened. But of course the Suns need to trade Jay Crowder. And that all leads to that's why I think the Rockets it could be very interesting, even if there is nothing on the front burner now, because the Rockets have reason to maybe be a third team in other teams' bigger deals. Right. I mean they're not a contender. Obviously, they're not a team positioning itself to become a playoff team this year. Obviously, and they don't have expiring, get rid of the guy now contracts. So the three things that trigger the most trade deadline deals they don't have. Now the other thing, so I think the three team deal. There's a lot of the talk will be about that. The other thing that I just wonder about. And I, now this is not one I've heard. And in fact, I've asked and have not heard. But they have a $3.9 million trade exception. There are teams that are over the luxury tax that could send the Rockets a player they're not even making that much and make it worth their while either by sending them a player they might kind of like to be check out in the rebuilding or to sweeten the package with a pick so that they can get under the Trade deadline and the, I mean, the luxury tax and the Rockets can use their trade exception so that they, the other team doesn't have to take anything. You're talking about like buying a second round. Philadelphia. Right? It depends on, yeah, how much, like it depends. If it's a, if it's a guy the Rockets are going to just buy out the next day, you probably need a little more than a second round pick. If it's a guy the Rockets might want to play this year, see what they got. Yeah, that'll be ample. And if it's a guy who's a big part of the rebuilding, or not a big part, but uh, let's let's keep him. Let's see if we can make him into something. Then you might not need very much. Yeah, a second-round pick from a really good team. Say Philadelphia. We happen to know that the guy running the show there likes to get under the trade deadline. <laughs> I mean, I said it again, the luxury tax, right? He always does. He did last year. You know, in fact, I remember writing... How are people going to blame Tillman Fertitta for Daryl Morey getting Philadelphia under the luxury tax? So he does that. They're over the luxury tax. They don't need to trade away much to do it. The Rockets' trade exception would be enough to do it. Who's the salary? There's other teams that have one too, by the way. Who's the salary? Oh, there's so many because they don't have that far over. Mm-hmm. You, you could take one of their young guys who don't play at all. Um, I forgot the guy's name. The, the forward that they keep sending back and forth to the G League. Tybal? Uh, hey, you know, that would be better. <laughs> so I, I think that, that would be the kind of, 
Um, Young, let's see what we can make out of him. See if he's the guy we want guy. You know, uh, I don't know. Would they do that? I don't think they just would. Just to get into the, we'll put it this way. Would they have to? It seems like they could find somebody else. Jaden Springer was the guy, uh, so not a forward, a guard. He was the guy I couldn't remember. Shake Milton. Boy, that would be terrific. Take a look at him. Um, you know, guy who doesn't, he, he's ahead right now of Thibel in some, some games. Um, would they do that to get into the tax, or do they even have to? Could they find a team willing to take, hey, Daniel House? Daniel House is out of the rotation. Now, he makes more than the Rockets trade exception, but could they, Daryl find a place to send him to get under the tax? Uh, Portland's over the luxury tax right now, uh, by very little. They, they don't need to make much of a move to do it. Um, but there, and there's other teams. So that's the kind of thing to get an extra pick. Uh, Rafael Stone's done that kind of deal before. I wouldn't be surprised if something like that ha- happened. I'd be, I don't care how many times I get told, look, it doesn't look like anything's going to happen. I'd be surprised if something doesn't happen. So, I mean, going back to the original question, have the Rockets maintained their stance of first-round pick or bust? Or have they been flexible about that? For Eric Gordon. It's, the reason I answered it in such a terrible way, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, roundabout way, is it's never that specific. It's, what if we give you the, no, we don't want that, you know. Like, they, it was assumed that's their price because it was sort of their price last year. And because when that story came out about the three-team deal, it was, well, the Rockets wouldn't do that without a first-round pick. Well, they wouldn't do it. If you gave them, you know, a great first-round pick, they'd do a lot of different things. So it's not like they're, they're calling up a team saying, boy, you would like Eric Gordon. I want your pick. It, it's not how trade talks go. And so you don't put a price on things. But you and I know that's probably, we know them, right? We know what, how they think and what they do. And we know they did not want another first round pick last year. They probably don't want another this year. They got more young players than they're giving playing time to. And they have two more first round picks coming in. Do they really want a third one? So, we can safely surmise to trade Eric Gordon. They probably want a first-round pick. They want it in a year other than this year. And the further down the line it is, the more they'd want it, or less protection. And so it's not like you have to say, here's the price. If you and I can figure it out, any general manager can figure it out. Are they willing to take on bad salary that extends into 2023? Like, Are they willing to even touch the 2023 space? Well, you know, that's a question I've asked around a lot, and I've gotten a lot of, I don't know, you know, from other people outside the Rockets. Uh, it seems to me like the answer to that is if it's a guy they would consider part of the rebuild. Sure, they're not that worried about keeping every bit of it. And I know this, that Rafael thinks, you know, look, if I have to, I can create whatever cap space I need. And he can because he doesn't have bad contracts. So a more direct answer to your question is they would eat into their cap room for somebody they want and like. Good to know. They're not worried about, oh, we gotta save it all. Because they got potential if Eric isn't on the team, or if they're not paying Eric, which 
They can move them if they have to, whenever they need to. They can have $60 million. Are they really going to be able to spend 60 with guys they really want, with so many young guys on the roster? So they're not that worried. If there's a deal and they like that deal, but ooh, you know, we're taking it, we're cutting into next year's cap space, they would definitely do it. See, Kevin Durant earns $46 million next year. So cuts a little bit deep into that $60 million, but I hear what you're saying. Uh, Hell, but that leaves you money. You know, as long as we're going fantasy world, which I admit I started it, but I, I think I started it. I put it this way. I blame myself for fantasy world, but it is the silly season. Yeah. Hey, if you bring in Kevin Durant, and they got, they probably take back something, right? They're going to want some players that can play. Some free agents going to say, I'll play with him. You know, I'll take what you got left. What do you got left from, you know, that, all that cap room after he fills up most About of it? 15. Yeah. You, you, you add Kevin Durant, you won't have trouble finding veterans who want to play with him. Although, you know what? Getting back to, you know, planet Earth, um, I like thinking the Kevin Durant one. But wouldn't it make sense as we're talking about their cap room and how much to use? If the Rockets just use it on solid, know how to play veterans, nah, you know, just I don't know, you know, That's everybody, I, you know, Kevin Durant is the whatever. There, there's not one of those free agent summers where you know they have their meetings with LeBron James at the hotel and everybody, you know, one team comes in after the other. It's not save like that, that. Thought, Jonathan. We'll, right? we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, we're going to talk about some what free agents. We're gonna talk about free agency in a second, but okay. Um, so, guys, good to know. It's on the table that, that they'd be willing to take back uh, salary in twenty twenty three if the deal is right. If the player that they, if it's a player they want to keep long term, um, are they willing to include? Which I think, by the way, means young, grow with kind of guy. Not which I think they probably need the the solid knows how to play veteran, mm-hmm. uh, which I think would be good. But I don't th- I don't see that happening. Are they willing to include sweeteners? Like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna throw in like KJ Martin, or is KJ Martin past the point of being a sweetener at this point? Has his value exceeded sweetener status? Yeah, yeah. I guess sweetener. I mean, it's kind of hard to define sweetener status, but I mean, he's obviously a rotation player. He started like the last eleven games. Uh, he's still young. He has an unbelievably team-friendly contract. Uh, so, but he was never a guy they viewed as, you know, we got to shop him. It, they, they had hopes from him since like Charles. They thought the position change would work. Uh, and he, he does certain things they need that they don't have other guys who do. You know, the, he moves without the ball on a team with almost nobody who does. Uh, and one of the guys who moves well without the ball, Jay Sean Tate, often has the ball, so he doesn't get that chance. Uh, and then, you know, for uh, you might have heard this, there are fans out there who are really high on Alper and Shane Poon. Oh, there I, are. You oh. might, you might yeah. be aware. Well, that's another reason to have a guy who can move without the ball. Yeah. Hey, uh, you teased me about this guy for a while. I told you he was really, really good. <laughs> You knew I was going to go there eventually. Uh, All right, let's end with the money question before we move on uh, to free agency. In your opinion, is Eric Gordon a Houston Rocket 
after the trade deadline. Yeah. Yeah. I think okay. so. I, like, like I said, if I get told Wednesday night at midnight nothing's happening, I'd be surprised the next day if nothing happens. Right? It's just, it's the trade deadline. And so I don't care how many times I get told nothing's going on. It, it's slow. It's quiet. I'm skeptical. But if you pick one guy, uh, you know, it's just, I guess you have to say, sure does look good for, they just can't quit him. But on top of that, uh, it hadn't happened yet. You know, it's like, it just doesn't, I, I, I don't understand it entirely from other teams' standpoint. Now, I can understand why there might be other players that are higher targets, you know, more value targets for, for the contenders. Kuzma's, yeah, but, Jay Crowder's, yeah. Uh, maybe Crowder. I was thinking Bogdanovich. Uh, Bogdanovich is a good one. But... Um, I could see that. I, I get it. Younger, it's bigger. I could see that. But if you don't get them, they can't all get them. I don't understand why a contender doesn't say this. This can put us over the top. I, you know, we're good. We can win it. Some, we should add him now. There's some other names up there uh, as well. Like uh, we saw, uh, I saw a report today about Lakers interested in uh, Jared Vanderbilt from the Jazz, who's another wing they can help out on a contending team. Totally different guy, and uh, you know, I don't know that we call the Lakers contender right now, but a lot of teams we are got, interested. We, we, we got to call them something. Uh, we got to call the Lakers something at some point. I mean, they're a team. Well, you know, I have a line in my story where and it's, it's very similar to something I said about five ten minutes ago. The Rockets are none of the three things that typify trade deadline teams. They're not a, a contender looking to get over the top. They're not a team trying to be a solid playoff team. And they're not a team with expiring contracts. They just got to move before they lose. But the Lakers are kind of all those things, at least in their own mind. The Lakers, yeah, yeah, right. Well, if we got LeBron James, we could be a contender. Or we need to be a move just to be a playoff team. Or let's just get rid of this guy while we can. <laughs> you know, Russell Westbrook. They're, they're everything. But going back to the Lakers and Vanderbilt, there's a there's a ton of interest in the Jazz because the Jazz are so hard to define and because Danny Ainge is so aggressive. And so a lot of teams are interested in Vanderbilt. Like, there's sometimes these things are rumors. That I, I think that one's really true. And the, as, as always, the Jazz are in a ton of... Like, you hear it all the time, the teams that could trigger everything. And people talk about the Raptors, maybe the Hawks. Uh, I gotta think the Jazz are one of those teams too. Right. So I told you what we talk about free agency. There, you mentioned how this wasn't a very, you know, entertaining free agent class. There is one guy uh, that said he would entertain the Houston Rockets, or was is reported to perhaps entertain the Houston Rockets this summer. <laughs> right? Uh, has entertained them before, you know, for several years. James Harden. He's been entertaining for them. Yeah, that's true. Uh, ESPN reported about 10 to 12 games or so ago that James Harden would entertain a return to the Houston Rockets this summer. How interested do you think the Rockets are in such a reunion? Hmm, ambivalent. Ambivalent. And it kind of goes back to what I said earlier when we were just making up the Kevin Durant scenarios that 
after three years, you got to be bold and try and do something big to be relevant again. And so, boy, you pop that guy right in, boy, you're relevant. And you could be very good because if the the core of the rebuild pans out, if those guys, it's still a point guard who comes in and is happy to distribute and is a, a offensive savant like he is, boy, that'd be great. On the other hand, are they just signing on for his inevitable decline? So, and by the time the Jalen Greens and Jabari Smith Juniors are ready to be what the Rockets hoped they'd be when they were drafted, what is is James? Is James the Charles Barkley to Stephen Catino? Well, here's and a question: will How those does guys, he fit with Alpi? Will My those guys gosh. still be there? If, if James Harden comes to Houston, cause I, I imagine like not everybody stays. If, if they land a free agent like KD or James Harden, I don't imagine that all these guys are going to remain core players. I imagine some of them will be up for sale immediately. It's very hard to just move them while they're still on the rookie contracts. Yeah. And really, and so, you know, in other words, that those are fairly, these days, those are team friendly contracts. And you want to play it out. You drafted them so young. And if here's the hard thing. James, as he ages, but even right now defensively, is what he is. And what is he going to be? He doesn't fit with Alpi, who has all kinds of offensive talent. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Still, yeah. But he's still a liability defensively. Yeah. So do you put together a Ball dominant guard who doesn't fit with Alpi's strengths and who's also a liability and who's good, pretty good against big men defending. So it's like, how do you make that work? And you know, so the, the you know, it's so tempting though, because of what they've been through. And again, there's not the free agent out there that just you got to fight and win him, boy. You get him. There's not the change your life guy that you're likely to get. You know, do, do you? And what you might be doing, which wouldn't be a bad idea. I mean, right now everybody thinks Kuzma's going to go back to Washington, or at least Washington will do everything they can to make that happen. Do you over? If you're the Rockets and you want to make a splash, and you want a veteran who you know what he is, you're not just forecasting what he can be, as they are with their young guys. Do you overpay for a Kyle Kuzma? At what point? Like, if this is, this is in a world where they get James Harden, or just, a, just in general? No, no, rather than oh, rather James, than James Harden. Harden. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I That's honestly, like, the way I view rebuilding... Cap space is so precious. I know they have a ton of it, but you only get so many opportunities to chase these max guys before that window closes, especially when some of these free, these rookie extensions come up, right? Like, so let me yes or no. You, yes, no, you do it, or I wouldn't don't do you it. dare? I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do uh, it because, like, I'd rather save the flexibility. Because remember, the cap space is a temporary thing. Because, but if you don't use it, pretty soon. Your your uh, rookie contract guys need their extensions, yeah. And you use up the cap space on guys you already have. But if you're posing it as an alternative to a, a max guy, I'm just I'm taking the max guy. I don't care. No, how I'm well. posing it to, as just a strategy. Oh, do you over? And I just picked him out as a name. Do you overpay a guy so that you're the team that gets him? 
I suppose. I'm just. No, you're the team. You know the way every year on July 1st, three minutes after negotiations were permitted to begin, there's all of a sudden deals. And those first deals are the ones you say, wow, they gave him that much? Are the Rockets the team that you say about, wow, they gave him that much? I think you got to sign deals that you know you can move down the line. Because there's also the possibility that these players that you sign could be trade fodder for a bigger deal down the line. And they have to be movable if they're going to be trade fodder for a bigger deal down the line. So you go back to my thing of get the good, solid veteran. You know, like when, when the Rockets signed Jeff Green, some, and now this was a really good Rocket team, they brought him in in San Francisco. They had practice, one good long practice. They told him what they call this inbounds play, what they call this sidelines out-of-bounds play. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, we ran that with this team. Oh, oh yeah, just like Minnesota runs. Yeah, I got that. That's what I think they need those kind of guys. Guys who walk in today and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I can run that. Or, yeah, we'll run, we should run this again. When we play the Thunder tomorrow, we should run this against them. This really worked when I was with so-and-so. Those kind of guys. Kyle Anderson guys. Uh, yeah. Is it time for them to bring in those kind uh, of guys? Uh, uh, getting that nice uh, vet would be a great piece in free agency, but don't you think that, well, can Houston get that vet in a consolidation trade before the deadline? Because we saw rumors about them going after John Collins. So having a guy in his on his second contract. Oh, did you? Did you see a rumor that I mean, said that? It was a report. A report yeah. If you remember, yeah. No, no. I mean, Kelly worded it. Atlanta checked with the Rockets about their interest. Interest. Remember, he worded it that way, and then he came back and tried to make it clearer because people got confused. So Atlanta has checked with everybody about. Now, of course, on the other hand, to go back to your question, that's a really hard question. He doesn't fit, you know, the rebuild because he's pretty good, but he's not great. You're not a change your life guy. And he plays the position. You already got a couple rookies. He's not really a multi-position player unless you think, ah, play, make him a small ball center. But then again, you've got enough of those. I mean, so I, it, but going back to what we talked about a long time ago, they want to move John Collins, and John Collins would like to be moved, right? So that that's all very true. Kelly reported that Atlanta checked on the Rockets' interest, uh, which I'm sure is true if he reported that. Um, and I know that they've checked with everybody's interest and multiple times. It's not just about John Collins. It's how can they help make a deal involving John Collins' work, regardless of where he goes. And that goes back to the third team in type of thing, where you, the Rockets don't have bad contracts. They can't sort of make it work by you taking our $19 million guy. But, you know, I think that's the kind of thing that you might more likely see if it involves John Collins. But going back to what Umsel's original question was, like, was it, so consolidation trades more generally, right? So maybe, maybe not John Collins, right? But, you know, maybe Alonzo Ball type or, you know, this guy's going to be a pending free agent, but maybe you can get a wink-wink deal with him, like maybe a Fred Van Vliet type. Like, how will, how willing do you think they should be or they could be at this deadline to maybe swerve? Two different answers. Right, okay. I think they should be. Uh, that's what I think. And I think yeah. they're not. Yeah. 
So the, you think, I think, you that think that's something, I think that would make a lot of sense. And that's a hard thing to do mm-hmm. is you just drafted guys or you have guys. They like their guys. They, you know, yes, they have the worst record in the All league, of them though? but they like the talent. All of them though. Yeah, I think so. Even Dacian no, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I, well, I knew you were thinking <laughs> of him. They did like him. I, I can tell you what. Um, yeah. Hard to say. Twitter does not like Knicks. But I, just to answer your question, it's the kind of thing I think, if not now, by summer, it's the kind of thing they need to do. And I do not think it's something they will do this week. And I don't, I think they're very hesitant. I don't think they're motivated. I don't think they want to do the consolidation thing that you're talking about. Yeah, that, that, that's a little disappointing because I do think it's the kind of thing they kind of need to do right now because you mentioned earlier in this podcast that they have two first round picks coming up. They have so many young players, mouths to feeds, and they're going to get, they're going to get more coming in. And it's like the, the best way to, to solve two problems at once. You know, you got all this space coming up and you can't spend all of it. The best way to resolve that situation is consolidation trades. And it seems like, um, you know, they're playing pretty conservative. And, you know, could that end up being the right call? Who knows? It all really depends on what happens at the deadline and in free agency. We won't know. Yeah, more so over the summer. Yeah. You know, that's where, even though I agree with you, I will give them that it really is about the summer more than the trade deadline. Yeah. When you're a last place team, it's not really about the trade deadline. Even though I do think you, you're you on to something. I agree with you. Yeah. But... Although Dacian Nix makes nothing, I mean, no, I was just th- his contract. I was just throwing his. If you need to consolidate, you kind of just eat it. You know, I'm more talking it's like not, it's not guaranteed. Usman Garuba, you know, Jay Sean Tate, guys like that, like like guys. Who, not like, Jay Sean Tate. I mean, Tate they missed so badly when he was out. Garuba's the weird one. It's like they play better when he's on the court, but he didn't play all that great because offensively he he's kind of the, a liability. You know, it's, he, he shouldn't be, but kind of is. But then you, you kind of look at, wow, that eight minutes went well again. And now he's not playing at all. He's back out of the rotation. And so that he's another one. They they like him, they, you know, because defensively, I mean, who's the best defensive player on the team this year? Probably Tate. Well, that, you can't count him because okay. he didn't play enough. Uh... <laughs> but... Eason. I'm sorry, Eason. I, I... Oh, he's he's Eason is well not talking about potential now or tools. Um, he he's a playmaker defensively, but there's also times it's like, can you please not leave Kyle Kuzma? He's already made three of those threes in the fourth quarter. Just stay with him. That's a rookie. It's a rookie who's a playmaker. So he's going to be he's had a chance to be really good defensively. But I wouldn't say he's their best this year because of things like that and others. Uh, Who's their best defender, John? It's probably, it's probably Garuba. Mm. Yeah, but see, it probably is. Here's the thing: you're gonna have to. Of trace. course, I cheated by saying you can't count count Tate. Yeah. And do you know what the other one to make people's heads explode, <laughs> including mine, <laughs> might be Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, but been, the thing with him is yeah. he has so many bad times. You say you can't count him. Did you see Thursday's game? Well, good point. <laughs> you know, but there's also the other games where it's like, wow, he really had a good game and a tough defensive assignment. So it's almost, and again, taking Tate out of the equation, and really, Eric in January compared to Eric in December, uh, 
you know, the last place team that's terrible defensively, it's hard to answer that question. But you know, almost have to think Kevin Porter Jr. Because his, his I don't, I'm not, I don't even know if I. I'm think not that. sure if I'm with you on this. So, so uh, g- going back to like you know what you said, like you, when he's good, he's been very good. He's had times he of about being a lot very of people, good. Though. You can say that about a lot of people when he's good on the Rockets in general in ba- in basketball. Like you can say that about well, yes, but on the Rockets defensively, sure. Yeah, okay. He, he uh, listen, like Kemper Junior's fine. Like I, I I'm not I'm, I, I we're not going to make this about Kemper Junior. I I I just mean to say, you know, I when I threw out Tate there, you're like, "Well, he they really missed him." Well, here's the thing. When you make a, a trade like this for a significant piece, you're going to have to trade a good player, a player that's going to hurt to give away if you're getting someone significant in return. I don't yeah. I don't know if like we should dismiss guys like KJ Martin or Jay Sean Tate. Well, you can't dismiss anybody. There's right. no such thing as untouchable on the last place. Too. Right. But I, when I say that, how much they missed him, it's more of do they val- is he more valuable to them than he is to others? And Perhaps, yeah. That's where I think he could be. Same thing with KJ, maybe more valuable to them. Although, you, know, you play with veterans, KJ might even be better because the way he does move without the ball and the way he is on – in the open court. I'll tell you right now, if, if, if we're, we're redoing that draft, he's not getting picked. Where was it? Pick 56th or wherever he got picked. He's getting picked a lot higher than that. Yeah. Uh, no question. Yeah. He, he's definitely improved. I think his market value in the eyes of GMs. You said, uh, um, you said that there, there were no untouchables on the Rockets. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, obviously the, the core guys, you know, Alpi, Jalen, uh, Jabari, Tari, probably Kevin Porter Jr. He's a little different, obviously, because he's not a draft pick, a different contract, all that stuff. But those guys are not, you can't be untouchable, but they don't want it. They don't want to do that. I mean, they've, they've gone through all the pain. You want some of the gain from, from starting over with those guys. Okay. So we've we spent the first, you know, bulk of this podcast, you know, three fourths of this podcast, talking about the good things, right? I, like the fun stuff. Let's talk about something not so fun, but important. I would say, how do you how do you think Steven Silas has done this year? I don't know. I mean, it's like one of these. I'd like to see how he could do with an NBA team, you know, a team of NBA players rather than prospects, you know that. He's got a bunch of, he's teaching them their ABCs, but they're taking advanced studies, you know, graduate work. He, he's teaching them like, something. I'm not sure if it's, uh, necessarily translating. And, and like, I'm not sure if some of his decision making in who he's throwing out there, when he's throwing them out there, um, the structure that he's throwing them out there within have been sound. And you hear that a lot with the Rockets. Well, but, the who, and, and you know, it, that sort of assumes the other guy would be better. And they never are. I think Ty Ty's better than, than Deshaun Nix. Uh, I think Ty Ty Washington's better than Deshaun Well, they're different positions and, you know, they're different guys completely. I thought his patience with Deshaun through December was just, I, I couldn't understand it. I but, still don't understand uh, to it. To me, yeah. it's like, yeah. okay, 
Well, it goes back to know the foundation. Well, through December was different because then he stopped playing them at some point. He finally said, okay, yeah. that's enough. And then when the injuries happen, now he's back in because he's a point guard. He handles the ball. He gets them into their offense and he defends a little bit and he's bigger. While Josh Christopher no, no, and Ty Ty yeah, yeah, aren't really, yeah. yeah, they're not really point guards. They're kind of combo guards at most. Ty Ty maybe a little more so than Josh. And Ty Ty's small, so he went this way. They won a couple of games, but this doesn't really matter. This is when your whole starting backcourt has been out, as opposed to when he was playing him in December. And he, it's like, wow, he's still sticking with him. He's really struggling. Now understand, he did because it's like they're seeing a different person at practice, and they kept. Tr- Trying to find a way to unlock that in games. It's like, is he so, is he timid in games? Is he too cautious? Why is he a different guy on Tuesday than he was on Monday? And so they kept trying and trying. Uh, now I would never have had so much patience with him. It's like, okay, you know, you, you get paid for the, what happens at night, not what happens at 11 a.m. <laughs> at practice. Yeah. But that was why, I mean, I, but again, if you're evaluating, going back to your question, play this guy, play that guy, you know, you know which coach has been questioned over why he didn't play this young guy at the end of the bench more? Every coach there has ever been. Every single one of them forever. But this is different, Jonathan. I mean, like, it's, it's not, it's not, I, I mentioned that as kind of a throwaway line. Like, this is like, he started the season. With Alper and Shangun on the bench, right? Like, th- th- yeah, I didn't think that was a bad thing. Really, I thought, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, first of all, several you like reasons. Bruno Fernando a lot more it, than now, me. It's not about a comparison of the two guys because if it is, you play Alpi. You know, it's like if, it's, if that's what it's only about. Um, but you know, lots of teams. Well, first of all, you got to go back to when they thought Jalen was ready to take the jump to be what he was in the final seven games of last year. So the idea, and Kevin Porter too, that, so you, you think that, and then you think, uh, a lot of teams have done well. Give me the guy who's going to set screens five times in a possession, roll hard, defend, rebound, play the way he was in the preseason, what they were seeing then. Which, and then he did show it in Atlanta, and then that was it. He got hurt, he wasn't the same when he came back. But, and then Alpi, you still gotta give him his minutes. You know, you gotta make sure he plays. And if you're playing three centers, having one off the bench finish games is easy to do. As opposed to, if he's starting, but you're keeping him to those same minutes, it can be a little more complicated. I still think Fernando can make sense. Just as long as this guy plays the same minutes as he would have, or pretty close to it. And then you can pick who he's matched up against, who he's playing with. You could, and you could sort of tell him, look, we need you to do these things defensively. We need you to move after you've passed the ball so that there's some spacing that there's, we need you to do these things we're asking of you in the preseason. And then it was never going to be permanent because he's, better Bruno Fernando, but they needed him to be better than he was. And it wasn't permanent. Now, the other reasons were because Bruno got hurt, he wasn't the same when he got back, all that. But it, it, it could make total sense. It, it, I always 
There's star players. There's guys in the Hall of Fame who began their careers that but way. There, there's been a. It wasn't something they were doing to him. It was something they could do if it worked for him. But this has been consistent with Shengu. Not it's not just this year. It was last year too. Like there seems to be a fundamental lack of faith with him. Like here, here's a stat, and I, I, I'm still knows this because I asked him this on the last podcast. Do you want to know what his usage rating was? Before Kevin Porter Jr.'s recent injury, I looked it up at the time, but that's like a month ago. It was <laughs> maybe not a month, but it's twelve games yeah. ago. Twenty-two percent. You want to know what it is now? Uh, I guess in the forties. Twenty-two percent. No, twenty-two. Yeah, the only thing so, that's changed is his minutes. Well, the usage rate's a weird thing because that means finishing the play. It, the one I looked at was touches uh, in the elbow touches in the low post and or touches in the front court where they have gone up a lot in these last 12 games. When Ken Porter Jr. was healthy, he, Alpine, and Jalen Green were all about the same number of touches in the front court. Uh, now Alpies have gone way up uh, in the last 12 games. And that's a good thing. And then the other one, is touches in the post, touches at the elbow. There's only four guys in the league in the top ten of both of those. When Kevin Porter Jr. was still playing, before he got hurt, it was uh, Sabonis, Jokic, Embiid, and Shingun. The only four guys in the league in touch... Oh, I'm sorry, only four centers, which is a big difference, because you got Dodgich, you got some others. Uh, only, uh, you got Giannis, uh, four centers in the top 10 for touches at the low post and at the elbow. This is before Kevin Porter Jr. got hurt. So the idea that they weren't using him, but, yeah, they need more out of him, and the reason is, not offensively, but the reason is he's a center. You, a center defensively is a different world from a shooting guard or a whatever we called James when he was here, guard, defensively. Different world. Some of it's that they need him to make that. Some of it's that, but I, I you know, like I don't think he's they've held that same standard for all their guys, right? Like you look at their, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. is a great example of a guy who will make mistakes and gets the freedom to play out of his mistakes, right? Shangu never was never afforded that, right? This is a guy who makes mistakes and gets the quick pull, right? He's the guy who doesn't get the the full leash to do to. It depends on the mistake. Uh, I, if it's the one that, like, trying to, which, to his credit, isn't coming up as much lately. But when it's, fuck, we've asked you, when this screen is set, I need you to be here. Okay, I didn't get that. All right, next time, when this screen is set, I need you to be here. And it's not. If he makes other mistakes, no, I don't, I don't have patience with those. My gosh, this team is a mis- one mistake after another defensively. Mm-hmm. But it depends on which one it is, whether there's patience or not. But, you know, he plays a lot. He plays a lot for a young 20-year-old center. And he plays with some good energy, too. It's not like he coasts to where, oh, yeah, he could play 30-whatever minutes, 36, because he doesn't play that. No, he plays pretty hard. Uh so I don't know that, ooh, he just isn't playing enough. Uh, 
I mean, I'll just say. at the time they were playing three centers, he was at around 26 to 28, a little less because, you know, they get blown out sometimes. Since they've been playing two, he's consistently in the 30s, the low to mid-30s. Well, that's about right. Uh, and they should be playing two, I guess. I mean, it's hard to say what to do, but I think they should. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at them. I, I looked it up. Okay, so this is when uh, Ken Porter Jr. was hurt. Uh, 28 and just a horrible blowout loss in Sacramento. So obviously his minutes got cut. 30, 37, 39, 37, 35, 36. It's about what he should be playing. 30 and another horrible blowout loss, the one to Cleveland. Um, this is recent though, right? 33 and 33. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, that's when they started, stopped playing three centers when they moved to two. Well, it also coincides with Kevin Porter Jr.'s injury, which is like, I, I feel like which they're, is because they need Alpi to, Initiate more offense. Well, well, my question is, why aren't they doing this when they're both on the floor together? Like, why, why aren't they doing this like when everyone's healthy? Like, like, uh, like Shangun is lagging. Two answers to that. Shangun is lagging behind five minutes per game behind those two, behind Jalen and Kevin Porter. Well, he's, all he's, a, he's a twenty-year-old center. I mean, those guys are twenty-year-old 20 guards. Old center. They're twenty-year-old guards. It's a different world. They're not carrying around two hundred and fifty pounds. They're carrying I mean, the offense. It just doesn't happen in the NBA. How many twenty-year-old centers? That's good minutes for him if he's in the thirties. You know, that's. I mean, you, some guys. You got to find the right number for them. And it's not just centers or two hundred and fifty pounds compared to two hundred and ten. I mean, all these years, Russ. So Westbrook is always keep him around thirty-two, you know. Just thirty-two is about right for him. You know, Ch- uh, James could easily do the thirty-six. You got to find the number for certain guys. Alpi's number at around thirty-two to thirty-four is probably okay. They probably don't need to push him a whole lot more. And he's gotten there expect lately, him to be a, right. Like like he was twenty-six before. They they've gotten there lately to thirty-two, thirty-four. Well, they were playing three like, centers, which you can argue was a mistake. Right. But that's going to knock down your minutes. And, uh, and do you think, you could make a case they shouldn't be playing Garuba more back then. Maybe they don't play with Bruno at all. But, uh, here's the other one. We haven't even said. Should Jabari Smith have been getting minutes at center? Probably. I think he needs reps, but I, I, I think he, other guys have learned. <laughs> I don't really think so, but I'll just throw that out there. I mean, because I'm a big Star Eastern guy. I'm a big Tar Eason guy, so I I feel like he could have stolen a couple minutes away from Jabari. But how likely is that? You know, you're talking about a number sixteen overall pick. Well, that's another one where I don't. Pick. Yeah, I don't say that Silas is wrong and I'm right because I we don't know what would have happened. But to me, I would have Tari like I would have had those two guys' minutes be much closer to one another, Tari Eason and Jabari. Although Tari will run the tank empty. There's a guy who will just drain himself and need to sit, but which is great quality. And I would have Tari finish some games. You know what? This one, Tari finishes. Now, they might have the exact same record doing it, but that's just something I would have done differently. But going back to minutes, big man minutes, I just looked up just for the fun of it. Embiid, his first years, 25, 30, 33, 7, 29, 31, 
Embiid with the Jones fracture? That Embiid? Like, the guy who was struggling well, to come back? Well, seven years. Okay, but like... The 31 <laughs> was two years ago. <laughs> You're talking about <laughs> his... Yeah. Not, not the first year. The first year was 25. Yeah. But 31 was 20, 2021. Yeah, but we're just now getting there. Is what I'm saying. Like, and, and you're right. It was because they were playing three centers, but they shouldn't have done that. Is what I'm saying. Like, well, there was a mis- I, agree, I can concur. I can see that point there. If you're saying don't play three centers, okay, but it's not because oh, they're being mean to Alpi. No, I still no, think they're being a little that. mean to Alpi. I mean, if you, if <laughs> let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Who has been Houston's best player, other than Eric Gordon? Ah. Other than Eric Gordon, I can't. Well, I can't it's not Eric. Eric. It's not Eric Alpi. It was okay. Kevin Porter Jr. You really think so? <laughs> okay. Yeah, over the over the course of two years, is it fair to say that Shaun oh. has been one of their three best players of the last two years? He's been one of their three best players. Is that fair? Probably. To say? Well, it's hard to say because I can't. Jalen is. You know, and you know what the other thing is? It's hard to separate potential and the excitement and reasons for hope. That you get from Jalen, which is such a, that's a thing with Alpi, is you get that, you know? And so, and same thing with Jalen. It's like, boy, when he's got it going and you can see how it can be from him, as opposed to the question you actually asked, which is who happened best? Because Alpi, in this team that's in last, he gives you something. If you're a fan, it gives you something to be hopeful about, excited about. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the future could be better. And you get that from him. I think you get that from Jalen. And I, I, when you ask that question, who's been their best three players? I mean, last year it was probably Eric. You know, not this season, but the previous season. But you don't get that from him. From him, you get that from Alpi and you get it from Jalen. And this year, especially in the last month, and just you get it from Alpi, and just when you're getting it more and more from Jalen, he gets hurt. So I don't know. I, it's a long way to say I, I, I understand the fanness of Alpi and to a degree Jalen, but it makes it really hard to answer the question. But the reason I say Kevin Porter Jr., Kevin Porter Jr. had a really good year. And you don't get that from him because... It, people view it as he's playing out of position. Well, that's probably true, but that doesn't mean he's not playing at a certain way. He's playing pretty well. Yeah, he's been much more year. efficient. He, yeah. yeah, he's played well on both ends. And, you know, it's just oh, yeah, there, there's times that you, and that's the other thing when you're a bad team. The times a guy is really bad at something, like how could you take that shot? Which Kevin gives you those in the last minutes of games or, you know, the bad defensive nights or maybe just quarters, you know, so many things. They stick out because the frustration of losing every night. But on total, he, he's, he might be the, I think he's probably the answer. I heard Ryan Holland say that on one of the broadcasts and I thought Twitter was going to explode and it really didn't. I was kind of surprised. Yeah, how permanent is this with Shangun? Sorry, uh, how permanent is uh, how what? How permanent is like like we're talking about the increased minutes and the you know he's getting the touches more when Kevin Porter Jr. comes back. Like, are we gonna see 
back to square one with Shengu. Like, or is it gonna? Is um, we're gonna see? Well, the like, minutes are about Kevin Porter Jr. entirely because they're playing two centers before they were playing three, and so more his that's not really about him. Team, yeah. I'm sorry. More his prominence within the offense. Is that going to go back? Yeah, to- and he might be playing a little extra minutes because they need him to initiate offense because they don't have Kevin Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. They they need Kevin Porter. One of the reasons you've got to run offense through Alpie is you don't have a lot of guys who can initiate their own offense, who can create things for themselves. They need somebody to create it for them. Kevin Porter Jr. is one of the guys who can create for himself. And one of the things that people don't, like about the Rockets, even Rocket fans. I'll say another one to make people think, what am I nuts? They need to go, they need to run more ISO. You like that one? For who? The last I looked was a couple days ago, and they were running the 14th most ISO in the league. So they're very middle of the pack. They were seventh in offensive rating when running ISO. This is a team that was at the time 28th offensively, and they were seventh in ISO. So they probably need to run it more than they have been lately, and that's because Ken Porter Jr. is not, when he's back, no, there's some matchups and some possessions, he should go one-on-one. But just like when James was doing it, people don't like it. It looks like bad basketball. And Yeah, I guess you're right, but when you're 28th offensively, Maybe do something that like works for you. Kevin Porter Jr. is also a very underrated spot-up shooter. And when Shangun comes back, or not Shangun, when Kevin Porter Jr. comes back, I feel like there should be more drawn plays to where Kevin can play to his strengths. And I feel like spot-up shooting is one of his strengths. And, and Al P can set him up. Absolutely. He's by far their best catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. Yeah. And... Although maybe Eric, I haven't checked since Ken Porter Jr.'s been hurt, but obviously Eric playing very well, maybe he's now up there with him. So maybe it's not by far, maybe he's even past him. But when at the time he got hurt, he was by far their best catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. And Alpi's getting doubled way more than he was back then, which could create those shots. And you can do off-ball screens, too, even if they're not doubling with Alpi. We're not doubling out with Kevin Porter Jr.'s guy. That's okay. You can still set some of the weak side screens in order for him to take the catch and shoot shot that Alpi creates. So that, that now that he's getting doubled way more than he was in, in the first two months of the season, you know, so basically through January, he's been doubled a lot, a lot more. Yeah. I, Totally. You'd like to see more offense run through him, even with Kevin Porter Jr., if that creates those catch-and-shoot opportunities. Um, you'd like to see what the, you know, personally, I, I think Kevin Porter Jr. could be a very good guy to keep as part of your core four, but I've always thought, no, you need a real sort of veteran, been there, done that point guard. Even if that guy comes off the bench, not just to help trigger stuff for other people, but to let Kevin Porter Jr. get some minutes off the ball, too. Speaking of Kevin, uh, obviously he's still out. Is there any timetable on when his return is? Is there any updates? Um, they they say they keep saying no, there is not. And uh, I'm going to check again tonight and, uh, at the game. But 
checking day before yesterday, they said no timetable. It's obviously didn't respond very well. They predicted it would respond better. Uh, he was about a week and a half ago, he was in a walking boot. And so, um, it sure wasn't day to day, was it? No, no. I mean, very reminiscent of the die contusion from last year. A couple of questions before we get you out of here, because I know you got to get to this game. Just straight up, do you think Silas finishes the year out? Finishes the year? Yes. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Oh, okay. Do you think he starts next year? That one's a hard one to picture. Uh, it's hard to picture. I, you know, it would be nice to see him coach a team where he gets to actually try to spend his time. How do we beat? I mean, he does spend his time. How do we beat the other team? Obviously, he does. But he has to spend so much time teaching things that other players know. And you hear other players. I mean, that's kind of the point Austin Rivers was making. They need some veterans who know how to play. And there's stuff that I see in games, and I go, oh, my gosh, there's so many things. It's like putting out a forest fire. You put out one, but then boop, there's another one you got to put out. There's just so much he's trying to teach these guys. It was pretty obvious, and this goes back to last year, but when he had to tell them what time to take their day of game nap, what time you arrive at the arena, when you warm up, what do you do in warm-ups, never mind, you know, the many different pick and roll defenses we're going to use for each different team or whatever. Just there's so many decisions that are made that, and you can't teach every single thing that needs to be learned. It's too much. You know, it's like you can't have your full law school all squeezed into a day or two, or a week, or a month or two. No, that's why it takes three. My, my nephew's a doctor. He's been studying for, it feels like, 10 years to, to be what he does. Uh, you know, and they they look like the guys who first got to class and tried to figure out where to sit down. And so it's a long way to put, but that's what people don't get about Silas. Even if you disagree, he should be playing this guy or play that guy. It, it's not like a little league lineup where it's all about who bats third. Uh, there's so much they just don't get that he has to try and teach today. And the other coaches all kind of tell me this, you know, around the league, that there's so much he's trying to teach them. You yeah. know, and they can see what they're learning, but then now they got to move on to this thing. Yeah. It's, it's pretty obvious. You know, but, you know, and the, the other thing is, you know, like you go back to the Eric quote, and it sort of depends how you word it. You know, has there been improvement? No, not at all. Well, in total, that's true. They were last place and they're still in last place. You know, in some ways, turnovers? No, not at all. In other ways, you can point to a lot of improvement. Um, you could, they were the worst rebounding team in the league last year. They're the best rebounding team in the league this year. Their defense inside the restricted area was unbelievable. Unbelievably bad last year. It's like around 10, somewhere in there, this year. There's things they concentrated on they actually got better at. There's other things they're just terrible at, you know. And then the other thing, I've said this a million times, come up with an offensive scheme that works without passing or shooting. The two things they're lousy at. You know, it's really hard to come up with a really good offense that doesn't involve passing or shooting. And these days shooting 
<laughs> you know, it's everybody. The last, in fact, I think they're up to, check, it's on my screen. I think they're up to eight straight games in which they've shot a better percentage than their opponent. And what do they want, three of them? Because they can't shoot. So they can get good shots. Yep, eight straight. Last night was a good example. They got really good shots all game. Yeah, well, the other team hit 15 threes, you hit seven, you lose. I don't, you know, I don't know. If you can get, if you're a coach and you get your team good shots, how do you make it work if the, your players can't make them? Listen. There's too many layups, free throws, and wide open threes? Yeah. I mean, when is that a bad thing? I mean, head coaching is hard, no doubt. But, you know, he signed, he signed up for this job. You know, like this is not something that should have been a surprise to him, right? Nobody feels sorry for, well, maybe people feel sorry for him, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, um, I think it's reasonable to have higher expectations for, for them than to finish, you know, last in the league three straight years in a row. You know, that's, that's, I think that's reasonable. Well, I will say the first year I don't even count. I mean, that was yeah, just, I, I just, it was the COVID year. I mean, they weren't last place. They were actually doing pretty good, but everybody started to get hurt. And they finished the year with, can you pretend you're not hurt so we can claim to have eight players? You know, that, and half of the guys he had in his rotation aren't in the NBA. You know, that never, some of which have never been in the NBA since, before or since. So I, I don't count that. He, you know, if he puts you and me out there, we can try as hard as we want. We're losing. Hey, I, I, I feel know, like we're losing a little bit less. I don't know. You know, maybe it's me. It's a little bit Eric. You think we'd win more? A little bit more. A little bit more. I, I, I think you haven't seen me play. Uh, oh, you're talking about as players? Oh no, I, yes. I thought you meant with the clipboard. <laughs> uh, no, no. I hear you. I hear you. No, he, he he would be losing more, a lot more, if, if we were out there. Uh, yeah. yeah you know, that, that's why. That's why the first year. To me, the team viewed that as a, let's just get it over with. It's the COVID year. We got 3,000 people in the building anyway. You know, like I said, there were three or four guys who were never in the league before or since, or have never been, or and at least that many who are not in the league now. He had about two, three guys who are currently NBA players by the end of the year. So, all right, you know, that was, COVID changed everything. And that particular year. It wasn't, and everybody says the Harden trade. No, it wasn't about Harden trade. They had a team. And it might not have been a good team, but it was an NBA team. They finished the year with, you know, like I said, when you start saying night after night, can you pretend you're not hurt so we can put a uniform on you? That's not the NBA. All right, last question. Uh, Do you care that Tari Eason's not in the Rising Stars game? Do you care? (laughs) <laughs> I thought he, well, I, I don't know, like I haven't looked at Andrew Nebhardt's numbers or season enough to know Tari deserved it. Yeah. Tari definitely otherwise, does, without saying who to take off, because I don't know who to take off. In fact, I don't even know everybody who's on Neither it. Neither do I, because I don't care uh, about he's it. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> he's obviously been good enough. Yeah. And you know what? We were talking earlier about guys who give fans reason for hope. And how Alpi, that's, to me, that's one of the main reasons he's so popular. Cause he gives you that. You can, you can picture how he could be a part of a really good team. Tari Eason gives you that. You could picture how he could be part of a really good team. Yeah. That's a, 
good thing to say about a rookie. Yeah, I mean, they're really good. They're really good. And they're, they're both outperforming their draft positioning, which is, you know, rare because they're mid-first-round picks. Like, that's hard to... Yeah, okay, but since I know you are the president of the fan club, <laughs> I'll ask you this one. Yeah, go ahead. Am I right about what I just said? Can he be, can Alpi be a foundational piece of a championship contender? Yes. Because it's really hard these days to have a championship contender without a center who's outstanding defensively. You can't just be not a liability. You have to be really good defensively if you're at that position. Can I counter your question with a question? Yeah. Can Sabonis be the a cornerstone player on a championship team? I think so. Right? I'd like to... I mean, I don't know enough about... I know people say, well, he's not any good defensively. But I haven't watched enough Kings games. And when I do, I just enjoy them. I don't know what his liabilities he's are if he Shen-Gun has some right strengths. Now, but Shengun right now is 20, and he's like 27, right? So, like... Well, there's reasons I think Shengun's going to get right. better, as we've talked about before. Uh, a lot of them are physical reasons. Uh, but there's other ways where it goes back to my question. And it's partly, sorry, that's center in 2023. You know, like sometimes there's been really good teams that, hey, you're a really good center in the Western Conference Finals, but we really can't play you in the finals because it's not the right matchup and we need somebody who's going to be just. I mean, it's hard. You know, it's really hard to be that guy. I'll admit, I don't, at that position, I don't have at proof that of concept yet on this, on center, right? Because, especially because Jokic hasn't won, you know, he hasn't made it deep into the playoffs, right? I mean, he's made it to the Western Conference Finals, but he hasn't made it to the finals. He hasn't won a championship, right? But the closest facsimile is like Dirk, Dirk Nowitzki, right? Who wasn't a great defender. He was a good, good enough team defender to where it, it was passable, but you had to put Tyson Chandler next to him, right? You had to put Sean mm-hmm. Marion next to him. Well, that's another question that I don't have an answer for. What if you did that without me? What if you put, oh, I don't know, Victor Wembanyama next to him? That's going to be the question, man. That's going to be the question. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. It's 14% odds. Uh, I don't think you should be banking on that as an organization, but uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting. But that's what you're right. That's what they did with Dirk. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I don't think they're know- similar players, though. I, I think he the best position for Alp is center. Which is why it's harder to answer. Oh, it is. But you can do it undefined to where if you had a center defensively who could be rim protecting but had shooting range so that Alpe could still work in the post offensively or you know, work his way to the post as he does. Because he gets to be himself offensively, but defensively you could try and hide him in ways you can't now. Could work. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad that they went yeah. after guys like Tari and Jabari and I mean Jabari fell to them. They didn't have a choice there. But you know, Jay Sean, like guys who can theoretically in the future maybe cover for what he isn't defensively right now. What if you do Jabari? What if Jabari gets stronger and he can make the three point shot that's supposed to be his strength? Could he be that oh you'd still probably call Alpi the center and Jabari the, the four. But could he be that guy? I believe I mean, that's the theory. Yeah, that's the theory of their team. Guy. With his rim protection, so I was going to bring that up. It, yeah, I'm not out on Jabari. I'm not out on Jabari. I know people are really like frustrated with this play, but it's like the guy is 18 years old, right? Like the youngest of the three guys at the top of the draft. We are 
45, 46 games into the season, guys make runs towards the end of their rookie year. Happens all the time. Every year, without a doubt, someone gets dismissed, and then you get Trey Young having a hot 20 games to end the year. And then you get Jalen to end end the year. Uh, Then you get, who's my guy in Minnesota? Anthony Edwards, right? Like, this happens every year. So, like, I would just hold off on that. I'm not writing him off yet. So what you're saying is, Fans will understand next year when Wembenyama comes off the bench behind oh, him. No, I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not that far in. <laughs> I'm not that far in. Um, All right. On that note, uh, listen. Thank, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you. Can Can you tell the people where we can find your work? Yeah, as always, the uh, the Twitter handle is Jonathan. Score Fagan, and I put all the links there. Actually, they're most of them are automated to where I don't even have to do it. Uh, probably have some sort of trade deadline story Monday morning or Sunday night, probably Sunday sometime. Um, and uh, hey, you know what? There's something you might want to look at. We didn't talk about, but uh, I did an analysis of all 507 coaches' challenges in the NBA this year. That ran. It's online now. Mm. Um, went through them all one by one. And uh, do you know what team challenges calls more than any other? In the NBA? I'm guessing it's the Rockets. You're used to Rockets. Yeah, yeah. That does not surprise me. The Rockets challenge the most, they win the most. Yeah, they win the most challenges. Yes, yes. So you just threw me off for a second when you said when they win, they win the most. I was yeah. like, no, they, win the, they actually yeah, I mean, they they win the least. They challenge the yes. most, too. They, no, I, I meant the games. Yes, but they yes, win. Yeah, I know what you mean. Right, I know you yeah. did. But they actually challenge the most calls yeah, yeah. in the NBA. And they've won the most. They don't have the best percentage. They're like 11th, I think. Um, you know, some of the teams that challenge way less often have a better percentage. Uh, but it was interesting, and they have a way of doing it. And so I talked to Will Dunn, who is the keeper of the Challenge iPad, about all the things they think about when they determine when and which calls to challenge. And so that's something, you know, trying to do things differently a little bit when... Uh, they are what they are, which is unbelievably repetitive. Uh, and so that was something we looked at because they are different. All right, guys, be sure to follow Jonathan on Twitter at Jonathan underscore Fagan. Be sure to read all his work at cron.com. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at NBA. Be sure to follow Umsil on Twitter at Umsil underscore Mandani. And be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Red Nation Noobs. Be sure to follow the newsletter, RedNationNoobs.com where you can find all my articles, the paid podcasts, the paid articles, all that good stuff. And yeah, guys, I hope you guys have a good day.